Farida, up to you. Go ahead. Tell us. First, let's start with your full name, Farida. Your full name, what you studied for your first degree, and how you got into okay, data analytics. So... <laughs> okay, so yeah, my name is Farida Adamu. Um, basically, my first degree is in statistics. So, wow. That was like my initiation <laughs> to data. Um, I'm looking forward to tell the story first. I wanted to study medicine. You know now, Nigerian parents, everybody wants you to study a professional course. So I, I didn't like get that. And the only options I had was geography and maths. I mean, geography department or maths department. And I wanted to take the easy way out, yeah? So I was like, I was going to study geography. And my father was like, the people that are studying the mathematics, do they have two heads? So that's what got, got me in there first. And, and I had to mention this because a lot of people are scared of data because of maths. So this is me who had, I think my, my SSC was a lower credit in maths. And then this is me having to face mathematics, you know, every single day of my life. So it was very challenging for me first in 100 level. I really hated it. But I think in 300 level, you know where you go and do your IT? Um, I did my IT at the National Bureau of Statistics in JOS. And I just got to see how, I mean, they, they try to do the best of the work that they can do. But I, I saw that there was a lot of lapses in the system. And I think that was where my interest peaked. Because the, the beginning for me, it was like, oh, let us finish this course and go, please. But then after that internship at the National Bureau of Statistics, I saw just how much Nigeria needed, uh, you know, professionals in data and how much um, thought leadership on data needed to change. And that was the point where I became really interested in what it was that I was doing. Uh, fast forward to during my NYSC, after I finished my degree, um, I started seeing that data was really very complex. Before I could, before there was a term called data journalism, even, I mean, I didn't know anything like that existed. And even then, people were not talking about anything called um, data journalism, at least not in 2015. Or even if it existed, it wasn't this mainstream. So I started asking myself, how can I make data simpler for people? And I discovered that you can actually tell stories with data. Yeah. Okay, so what is the way to tell stories with data? And then I discovered there was visualizations, um, that's why I started discovering tools. Now, you must understand that Nigerian universities may not teach you everything you need to know. So simply because you study statistics does not mean you're going to be a data guru. That's just the truth. <laughs> because, yeah, I know a lot of my classmates who do not know Jack now. Like, everybody was like, oh, what are we going to do with it? Because a lot of it is on paper. So if you want to learn, you have to go further and teach yourself. But what the background of statistics does for you is that it helps you understand numbers and it's very important for you as a data analyst to understand statistics. Um, so back to what I was saying about um, telling stories with data. And then I discovered data journalism. So first I was studying by myself, but then I got to do a course with Gitgirl. Um, at some point and then i started working i would say i learned on the job first before i started doing any courses okay wait um, wait you said you started working where did you work first what was the first job yeah that's where i wanted to talk about 
Okay. My first job really was as a research assistant um, to a reproductive health company. Then I worked also as a research associate and a data associate. I didn't get to do a lot of, I did a lot of research, but I didn't get to do a lot of hardcore data work until I did my, I think that was my, my third job with, with Crowdforce. And they were on the Trader Money Project, the federal government one. Uh, and it was probably the first time I was going to have to deal with that large amount of real life data because otherwise you're dealing with data in class, or they're teaching you, you're just seeing structured information, they have created the table for you and everything. But in front of me was data that was unstructured, like what is going on here was, was what I was faced with. For the first two weeks, I didn't know what to do. That was when I understood that what they teach you in class is different from what you're going to meet in real life. And that is why it is important to always do real life with them. Forget all these functions and whatever that you know. Be sure that you can apply them in real life. Because I was like, but I thought I know this thing. And thanks to, to, to Google Share, learning how to use Google Tools is another skill that people must have. So I, I worked on the data uh, base for Trader Money. I think I listened to the last speaker um, or the last person that was on this, on this and she talked about SQL a lot. It is very important that you know SQL. Very, very important. SQL was my saving grace for that um, project. I mean, I was able to create that and all of that before doing all the other analysis and the reports that we wanted to do about it. And while most of that information could not go out publicly because it belongs to the company and to the federal government, um, there was a lot of storytelling we were able to do with it as well. Which brings me to talking about data journalism. So when people hear data journalism, most times they are tempted to think, ah, it is infographics. It's nice to be able to create infographics. It is great to know tools that would help you create infographics. But that is not where the job of the data journalist stops. Your job, ideally, is to be able to provide context to the information that is available or to data that you have. So you cannot just stop at um, knowing how to create infographics or whatever have you, even though that is really very, very important. So for a data journalist, first you have to have data analysis skills, then you have to have writing skills. And when I say writing skills, it has to be like in-depth writing skills because um, sometimes you just have people throwing numbers around and then there's nothing. For instance, then I used to think Nigeria had too many civil servants. Okay. So I mentioned first that you need to know how to write. You need to know, um, you know, that's if you are planning to do hardcore data analysis, you need to know SQL a lot. But as a data journalist, you need to know how to write. The second thing you need to do is to be able to contact, provide context to information. Because a lot of times we get carried away by numbers. That's why you see all sorts of headlines and journalists just put things and people insult them a lot. It's because they don't know how to, <laughs> because they don't know how to provide context to information. So I used to think that Nigeria had too many data journalists. Eh, eh, what am I saying? Too many civil servants. Civil servants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, until I saw somebody, he, he, he did a tweet and he was talking about it. And he was like, so somebody asked him, do you think Nigeria, because he's a public, um, he's a policy person. So somebody was asking him, do you think that Nigeria has to be um, civil servants? And he said, it depends on the context. 
if you're saying in relation to our population, if you're saying in relation to the jobs that are available or the work that they are supposed to be doing, what is the context of the question that you're asking me? If you say Nigeria has fewer cases of COVID-19, in relation to what? So you should understand that numbers do not just stand alone by themselves, especially in data journalism. We need to be able to contextualize them. We can't just say, oh, Nigeria has 90,000 civil servants. We are 200 million people, allegedly 200 million people. Because <laughs> I don't no know how many we are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, but we do have a large population. So if you're saying that there are 90,000 civil servants, in relation to what we have, that may not be a large number. In fact, that may be a very, very small number because of, of, of what they do. So as a data journalist, we need to be able to um, sort of contextualize the information um, that you want to share. Then, I'm losing my thought straight. <laughs> so, um, do you mind if I come in? I want to talk just debunk certain things about okay. data journalism. Yes, please go yeah, ahead. Yeah, so, um, I mean, you mentioned earlier that, that data journalists do not have to, you know, do data cleaning. I mean, that's true. Most times, most of the, 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 the information or data that they deal with is already cleaned or is already prepared. But for you to be on the safe side, eh? when you are the one that will go and gather your own data and come and tell your story, please learn to work with unstructured information and learn how to clean it as well. Um, but because of your role as a storyteller, one thing you should know, um, people always think data journalism is just reporting numbers, but uh -huh. it's very, very personal because it is about telling stories. You need to understand that every number that you put out there or everything that you say represents a person. Okay, so you need to understand that this is a very personal thing. Um, and it is not just numbers, especially when you're probably reporting about death or stories. So you need to be able to have empathy as someone who is a data journalist. Oh. <laughs> 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 Why are you laughing, Deji? <laughs> yeah, it sounded like you're walking. You're just talking now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I told you, I don't enjoy talking for a very long time. So I think I already mentioned earlier that. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Now, okay, so I have a question here. So, we... Okay. Just as you said earlier, sorry for cutting you short. Um, you, you said something okay. about, uh, about the Nigerian market, and I actually stressed that, you mentioned it before, uh, before you started. I don't know if you had. Why is it that in Nigerian print media, you are both data mm. journalists, you are both reporter, you are <laughs> photographer, photojournalist. It don't seem to be a solid structure behind this. It's, it's the employment structure in Nigeria. Do you get? Because people can be telling you they are looking for a data analyst, but they are looking for a machine learning engineer. Yeah. Because you see the job description and <laughs> exactly. you're like, bro, <laughs> wait now. <laughs> this is not the job of this. <laughs> So I think the general structure, people do not understand what it is they are looking for, but every newsroom should have a dedicated data journalist. And I think CS Business continues to show us um, the way these things should be done. There's a difference between the stories that their contributors just, you know, I mean, they must include data, but you see that the one that their data journalists produce, you must have some sort of visualization or information 
you know, that is explicitly, you know, like the COVID-19 thing that they are doing. They have a tableau dashboard, they have tables, they have all of that just for people to see. And then there's a difference between that and some of the other stories that they have, which are all data-driven, by the way. So, um, yeah, people just... Uh, and I think another problem that is for them is funding because they don't have money to pay people uh, to do the work that's supposed to do. Someone is a data journalist. He doesn't even know how to be a journalist. He's really editing. So he's just author. Uh, so I think that's one of the problems that we have. And there's also the issue of dealing with information. Um, it's very difficult to say things over like, oh, yeah, I mean, everyone is telling me that people not be able to do their information. So it's difficult. You know, because sometimes what you see is actually what it is. That's what it is. Because I say that we need you. You must get information. You can't get information. So, that's what I'm going to do. So, I'm going to do that. 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 I'm going to sing for four steps or four things that usually come. And it's so much. And this is the challenge. You can get that. Because what you want to see, you cannot know each other. from primary to secondary. So primary, you can decide to do surveys or collect information yourself. And then secondary, you can decide to rely on information that is already existing. Um, and data is not just numbers alone. You should also know that so many things exist, narratives, if you can bring them together and say, oh, I have like, like, like 30 people that have said the same thing to me. I mean, I think that will fall into primary category of collecting information. Um, so they don't have to just be numbers that exist somewhere. They could be events, they could be photos. Your work is to turn those things into numbers and represent them. So you can get your data from anywhere and then you can clean and analyze the data. That's probably the data is on structure. But from what I know, uh, the most common thing in data journalism is to find information that's already existing. Even if you're collecting survey data, Google, especially if you're using Google Forms, they actually analyze the information for you, except you yeah. need to do more in-depth stuff. And yeah. yeah, or collect or do some sort of comparisons. You have the basic analysis done for you when you check your responses. So you shouldn't bother about that. Then the last thing is to deliver insights, which is where most of the heavy lifting uh, for a data analyst is. Sorry, a data. <laughs> Yeah, I get, we get, yeah. A data journalist is. Yeah. So this is like the most important and the final step. It has to be data-driven. It has to be contextual. Mm -hmm. It has to be very nuanced. So your emotions must not be involved. Even though you can be empathetic towards the people you are reporting about, you cannot um, allow certain sentiments to stop you from you know, um, delivering the information that is supposed to be delivered. So... Yeah, basically, that's mostly the, the that's mostly the steps you know involved in a data journalism project. Um, is there something I missed? I feel like there's something I wanted to talk about that I didn't yes. talk about. <laughs> um, you have to mention about your work with the election reporter. Oh, yeah, there's a lot that I've not mentioned. 
So, I want the election network. Um, and what we do is we report global elections around the world. Um, but that's just a tiny part of what we do. We okay. leverage on a lot of data, like um, in 2019. Where does this sound so far? Yeah, it looks so far. But in 2019, during the 2019 general election, we provided a lot of support to organizations who were trying to, you know, um, monitor elections, sort of, and create their own election centers because of the sort of information we collect around African countries and the kind of partnerships we have with other organizations. I mean, they are not all things that I can say here, but yeah, yeah most of our work is, is data-driven. Yeah, and, and I think it's very challenging for me because sometimes you just feel like, eh, it's not to report elections. But <laughs> people be telling you, look for it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so uh, the, the number of people in parliament and all of that, those things now have new meaning for me because of the kind of work I might do with them. Even for writing for stairs, I think that's another challenging thing. In fact, it's the most challenging because the editors at stairs are not very nice. So... <laughs> Ah, you're you to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you must provide, you must provide um, proof for anything that you see. And I think that is very, very important, you know, for any data journalist. Like, you can't just come and say Nigeria is poor. Even though everybody knows Nigeria is poor, but how do we know Nigeria is poor? How did you measure the poverty? What are the indicators? I mean, those are something that people cannot just, um, because people say a lot of things these days without proof. And yeah. because they look believable, people just carry them around along with them. And it shouldn't be so. Yeah. So I think another thing for us as election network is to always counter misinformation. So we try to stay away from sensationalist stories. Yeah. If they're not um, fact-based, we're not reporting them at all. So, yeah. Which other work am I supposed to talk about? Research. Yeah, research engine. So is research engine. I think I'll now change the name to research engine because that is what all of you call it. Exactly. (laughs) So research engine is an independent research and analytics company. Um, For now, or a part of our work that we're really paying attention to currently is having public sentiments um, around what Nigerians are saying. If you remember what I said earlier, that you could transform what people say or what happens into data. And I think that is what we're trying to do. Well, because someone was asking me, okay, so what is the difference between sentiment data and real data? (laughs) And I'm like, all of them are data and all of them are real data. (laughs) But what sentiment do it, it sort of seeks to prove sometimes what is already existing. Mm-hmm. or seeks to probe and to further provide um, needed information. So, I mean, we don't just do sentiments, we do other form of research, but that is what we're focused on currently because to do policies for a people or in a democracy, we need to understand what their needs are yeah. and what they really want. I mean, somebody was telling a story about how this man, he became the new honorable, um, what do they call them? These constituency people, members of parliament. House of Rep member. So he became a member for this constituency. And you know, Michel Gragrana, he built them borehole and stuff. And he realized that nobody was using the borehole. 
I can't remember who told me this story. <laughs> so they, they then went back to find out and they were like, okay, so people do not really, it's not like they don't appreciate the bottle. But going to the to the river, and sorry, to the wells where they go to find a way to fetch water, that is how they bond. Do you understand? <laughs> that is how people, <laughs> that is how girlfriends meet boyfriends. So, <laughs> so this your whole matter is not the problem that they want you to solve. <laughs> so you need to understand from the perspective of people what it is that they want. You know, um, and that is one of the things that drives the work that we do. We also do some other form of independent research for clients and all and stuff related to elections as well. So yeah, basically that's our work research and we're looking to expand. We're looking to bring more people in, sort of create we're we're working on something called the Nigeria Trend Panel, where we have um, Nigeria's representative population. That's the younger population, I think, from 17 to 24. Join our our panels. We call them panels, but what we do with is occasionally get to serve you service um, and, and get your opinions about it. So that is the second point that we're working on. Yeah, so that's that on research engine. Um, okay. Oh. You mind if I, I come in so now? Much <laughs> Thank you so yes, much. Yes, of course. Please come in. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. We have a question here. Kingsley is asking, what is the meeting point between SQL and Excel as a tool for infographics or as a tool for visualization? What is the meeting point? Uh, SQL is for querying data. I mean, I don't use Excel a lot for my, for my data. But of course, um, you're going to use SQL in Excel a few times to query information. I've done that before. Okay, good. Um, I don't know what to define as the meeting <laughs> point, but yes, it's possible for you to, to do an SQL and Excel project, like apply SQL into an Excel project, and from that result, create um, an infographic or some sort of tool. I mean, it's literally not any magic thing. <laughs> Yeah. Like it's just going to flow in your process after you create with SQL, you have your results and you can use those uh, what do they call them Kiniba, insert chart or whatever. I mean it's really a very, very simple process. It's not rocket science at all. So yeah, of course they intersect. You always find a meeting point between these things. They always how, exist. How lucrative is the job of a data journalist in Nigeria? How lucrative is it? Should I lie or should I tell the truth? Tell the truth. <laughs> <laughs> See, you have to create the opportunities for yourself because mm. in Nigeria, depends on the company you're working with. If you're working with a company like say, Stairs Business, you can be assured of your future, but <laughs> it's probably a small company that doesn't have funding. You have to seek opportunities out there. There are lots of data journalism opportunities existing outside of Nigeria for Nigerians. So you may want, or for Africans, you may want to leverage on all of that. That's what I try to do. And it also helps me to build, you know, my own skill and, and to test or stretch my, my ability as much as I can. So within Nigeria, I would say the opportunities are not very exciting, even though a lot of exciting opportunities exist. And that is why it is important to network because sometimes you're not going to get the job. And, you know, it's not because people know you. Sometimes it just has to do with trust. And it's not just a Nigerian thing. 
there are, time, there are a lot of times I've been on course with people probably from international organizations. And if I just mention somebody they know, they're like, oh, oh, you know this person? Oh, we worked with him before. And the conversation just changes automatically. You know, it becomes less formal, it becomes more informal, and people are able to trust you. So for now, I wouldn't say there's so much for the data journalists, but there can be so much. Okay, yeah, I know there are a few companies that are able to afford to pay their data journalists very well, but not, not a lot of companies do. But please do not relent on building the skills, you know, that will actually get you um, to earn more money. I mean, it doesn't have to be in Nigeria. So, yeah. Thank you. So, we have a question here. So, um, okay, I think we should take the, first, the second one first. It says, what is your go-to tool? What are your tools? So, for you as a person, what are your tools? What are the day, daily tools, you, apart from MS, MSX, MS Word? What tools do you okay. actually use? There are many. I use Excel. Yeah, I use I Slack a lot. Okay. Yeah, I use WordPress, Tableau, Flourish, Data Wrapper. Um, I mean, I don't get to use Python a lot, honestly. Sometimes I have to just invoke Python so I don't forget the things that I want. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Yes, I can hear you. I can hear you now. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. It's much better. So, Omar is saying, Oh, Omar, welcome. <laughs> we haven't seen you okay, in a while. So, I use Flourish. Flourish. Toothpaste. Okay, I use Flourish. Really? You should probably did not hear what I said. <laughs> no, like flourish is a data visualization tool. Okay. After flourish, you then mention data wrapper, right? Hello, can you hear me, Farida? Yes, there's data wrapper. There's Tableau. I use Tableau as well. <laughs> Okay, that's good. So, Omar is asking, what are the challenges of a data journalist, especially in Nigeria? I think you've mentioned a few, but you just have to just mention it again. Omar probably came late. Omar, you're welcome. <laughs> Omar, you're welcome. James, you're also welcome. Welcome back, <laughs> brothers and sisters. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so Farida, go ahead. What are, the, what are the challenges of a data analyst or data journalist, rather, in Nigeria? Okay, so can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, so the challenges I'll say mostly is getting data. It's a very difficult terrain in Nigeria. Getting data is so hard. So I think the first challenge for a data journalist really is getting data. Then there's funding. To tell your stories. Journalism requires a lot of money. Um, if you're not feeding well, you're not to tell any story or provide any context to anything. So that is why you have a lot of projects. People are saying, oh, come on to do let us fund your story. So that is the challenge. I think the third one is actually the difficulty of um certain 